0: what to do next? So stop saying that you don't know what to do. Stop feeling overwhelmed. Stop living in the valley and start walking into your calling. So I'm so excited you're here. Welcome to the show. Record. So I have been in a really great place lately. Like literally probably the best space I've ever been in mentally. And I want to tell you that there's hope that you're going to get there because I remember being in such a deep pit and thinking, I'm never going to get out of this. I'm never going to feel better. And then I would, and I would get out and I would start feeling better. And then something would happen and it would suck me right back in. And I would only be out for like a day. And then I would be right back in the deep pit. And then I'd be out for two days and then I'd be right back in the pit. And then I remember actually telling someone that I didn't think that it was possible to get out and stay out of the valley that I was like I think that no matter what we keep going back into this valley and you just have to learn the warning signs and just climb your way out but I am happy to report that you will come to a point in your life where you are out of the valley and you won't ever go back in like I really truly thought that that would never happen And yet here I am, it's been a really long time that I've been out of the valley. And I know now that because of my faith and because of what I've learned and where I've traveled, that you will get to a place where it's good. And your circumstances might not be good. I'm not saying that there's, you know, everything's amazing in my life and there's no trauma and there's no heartbreak and there's no issues and there's no adversity because there is. But you get to a place with your relationship with God where no matter what happens, you know that he has you and you stay focused on him and you don't let the devil get back in your head and trick you because that's really the biggest thing. And so I'm titling the name of this podcast, Stop It, because we tend to let the devil into our minds way more than we would if we knew that he was actually entering, I think I know that he disguises himself as a lot. And so usually we don't even realize that we're going back into this way of thinking or letting the devil take a hold of our brains again until it's almost too late because we're already back in the pit. And so I want you to realize that there are three things that you're really doing or not doing where you're letting the devil come back and take a hold of you and you need to stop it. Because if you don't stop it, going to be tricked and you're going to be right back in that pit where you said that you didn't want to be and these are three things that i not only see people currently struggling in these three areas but these were three things that i found myself doing all the time and believing in these lies that were completely lies the bible says they're lies when you hear them you'll be like yep that's not true but for some reason we just start believing this and we're programmed and all of a sudden our minds just like running crazy and we are like just lost on this crazy train. And so if you're taking notes, um, the first one is having the feeling that we're not enough and newsflash, you're not enough. You're not ever going to be enough. And that's the biggest thing is that we think I'm not enough enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough for God to love me. And let me tell you, so there's there's two sides of this. The first side is you're not enough. Nothing you ever do will be enough because we all are sinners. We all are falling short of God's glory. And Romans 3.23 says that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, even the pastor of your church, your priest, whoever you follow, Every single person who is here on this earth, besides Jesus himself, is a sinner. Okay. So, welcome to the club. (laughs) None of us are good enough. Okay. We're not. But the reason why God died for us, came in the form of his son, Jesus, and died for us is so that we would become enough through Jesus, through what we believe. So, in Romans 5 8, it says, But God shows his love for us and that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. So he knew that we were sinning. He knew that we weren't enough and he wanted us to be enough through him. So he died for us. So the devil is trying to get in your head to make you think you're not enough. God's never going to love you, your past, your future, your thoughts, what you're doing, all of this in our mind starts spinning of this isn't working. I'm never going to measure up. I'm not doing enough. I'm not progressing fast enough. Um, You are progressing You really, you just being here live or listening to the recording shows progress. You're moving forward. You're doing little things at a time to move forward and to get better and to get better and to get better. Just like if you're trying to lose weight, you might look in the mirror on Monday and look in the mirror on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and not notice a change, but there is a change happening inside of you. You just don't see it because you're too close to yourself. Just like your kids growing up or your nieces or your nephews or your grandkids and If you're living with them, you don't really notice that they're growing. But if you don't see them for a week or two, you're like, dang, you shot right up. Like, because you don't see the change. So you are growing and changing. You are progressing. All you need to do is get a little bit better today than you were yesterday. That's all that it matters. Are you moving in this direction? I don't care how fast you're going or how or how slow you're going. All I care is that you're moving in the forward direction. So you're not enough. So if the devil's trying to get in your head and tell you that, you can just let him know that you're right. You know, you're know, you right. I'm not enough. And that's okay. I don't have to be enough because my savior is enough for me. And he vouches for me. I'm in the kingdom because of him. So I love that the scripture always talks about the thief coming in and stealing. So the thief is the devil. And one of my favorite scriptures is John ten ten, And it says the thief comes only to steal kill, and destroy. Okay. Steal, kill, and destroy. That is what the devil is after. He is trying to steal everything from you, your joy, your worthiness, your peace. He's trying to steal it all. He's trying to kill anything that's good. He's trying to kill your passions. He's trying to kill your purpose. He's trying to kill your calling. All of that. He's trying to kill your self-esteem, your self-worth all of that. And he's looking to destroy you. And he doesn't have to do a whole lot to destroy you. He doesn't have to kill everyone in your family, take every single thing that you have, ruin everything like he did with Job. All he has to do is get you to think that you're not enough. And you sit there thinking, I'm not enough and I'm not good enough. And this is never going to work. And I'm never going to be anything great. And that's all he needs to do. And just by doing that, he destroys everything. He kills everything, he steals everything, and he destroys everything just from getting you to think this one little thing about yourself. Because think about it, if God created you and he was like, okay, I need Monique and I'm going to create her to be super encouraging, super supportive. She's going to preach my words. She's going to help people out of depression. She's going to help people in bad situations. But if the devil can get you to think you suck, no one's going to listen to you. No one's going to listen. No one cares what you have to say. Do you know who you are? Do you know what you've done? You think you have credibility? You think people are going to listen to you? No. All he has to do is get you thinking that and you shut your mouth. And the devil wins. He steal, kill, and destroy you. And so the other part of that verse is God says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so looking at the word abundantly The word abundantly means occurring in large amounts. So let's just talk about this for one second. God does not create people to live on this earth and to be good enough. Like things are good enough. And at church on Sunday, we had a guest speaker and he just was awesome. Tina was there. So good. We talked after service. We're like, this was so good and everything that we needed. And he talked about the word abundantly and what God has to give us and what he wants to give us as a gift. So he doesn't want us just to have these mediocre, good enough lives where you think, yeah, things are good enough. I mean, I have a job, you know, I I have friends, I have some money, but things are fine. He doesn't want things just to be fine. He came so that we may have life and have it abundantly. So occurring in large amounts. He didn't come so that we could live and exist and just get by. He came so that we would have life and we would have it abundantly. God wants to bring heaven down to earth for us while we're here. That's what he promises for his believers and his followers, people who are listening to his words, that are changing their life, that are letting go of their pride and control and they're trusting in God And they're taking the scripture for what it says and not worrying and not stressing and not hurrying. Uh, I made a reel yesterday that said, God's not in a hurry. You are. That's why you're exhausted. It's why you're tired. It's why you're burnt out. It's why you're barely hanging on to every area of your life. You're exhausted. You're tired and you're in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. God is like, listen, your focus is wrong. The focus is on eternity. The focus is not on possessions, what we're building, materialistic things. It is not about that. God created us so that we could further the kingdom, that we could go and recruit and we could be a difference and we can have those fruits of the spirit. We can show the rest of the world that we are different. We're called to be set apart. Are you set apart? If you are in a group of your friends Do people know that you're a Christian? Do they know that you're a follower of Christ? Do they know that you're set apart or are you the same as everyone else? And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm just saying that to get you to check yourself, to see, am I moving forward into the direction that I should be into this abundant living? If your marriage is failing If your relationship with your kids are failing, if your prayer life is failing, if your finances are failing, if you're insecure and your self-worth is low, if everything is crumbling, then you need to evaluate yourself and think, am I focusing on the right parts of my life? And am I doing things in a forward direction with God? Or am I trying to do things my own way? Because we try to do things our own way all the time. And thankfully, God uses any kind of trial and any kind of adversity we face. He uses that to change us and to grow us into these people who we need to be. The only way that we can learn how to do something is struggling. And it's the only way you want to learn how to ride a bike, you're going to have to fall down. You want to learn how to walk as a kid, you're going to have to fall down. You want to learn to have a good relationship, you're probably going to have to go through some pretty bad relationships to figure out how to have good relationships. You want good friends? That are ride and die people that are always by your side, you're gonna have to go through hard times with them. You're gonna have to learn what that's what that's like. You're gonna have to learn what it feels like. You want to grow in your knowledge of anything, it's gonna take hard work. You wanna go to college and be a nurse like Caitlin, you're gonna have to go to work and get an education, you're going to have to study, it's going to suck, you're going to have to say no to things that you want to say yes to. Like, that's how we grow in any area of our life. It takes sacrifice, it takes time, it takes being a student, having a teachable mentality, and opening up. That's how it is when we grow with God. So I'm not saying anything to condemn you, or to make you feel like, oh, you know, you're doing the wrong things, you're not a good enough Christian because we're never going to be good enough but you can be good you can be good enough to god because he says we are good enough as long as you believe that jesus died for you and you're making that commitment every day that i'm going to try to do better and i'm going to move forward i'm going to trust you i'm going to do the things you're telling me to do then you are good enough that's really all it takes and so it's good when you realize like oh i'm not good enough but that's okay. And I am good enough because I'm good enough in Jesus's eyes. He loves you today just as much as he has loved you at your lowest point of your life. And the exact same amount at your highest point in life. His love for you never changes. And I think that that is so incredible because when you're at your lowest point versus your highest peak, you feel very different but God still loves you the exact same. So if you're failing and you're struggling and you're falling short every single day, and you're doing the same sins and you're struggling in the same way, and you're making the same dumb mistakes and the same dumb choices. And every day you're like, dang it. Like I messed up again. And he loves you the exact same amount. If you had a victorious amazing. You busted through all the chains, all the adversity. You didn't sin one single time and you lived this perfect day. He would love you the same amount. It doesn't change. And that's hard for us to wrap our minds around because we've never seen true unconditional love. We might have unconditional love with our family. We might think that like, oh, my parents love me unconditionally, but there are conditions because we're humans and we can disappoint our parents. We disappoint God, but His love never changes for us. And most people have never even experienced any kind of unconditional love. There's always conditions when it comes to it. And so it's hard for us to imagine someone who would love us unconditionally because we've never seen that before. Just like it's really hard to trust God because we don't really have people that we can trust like that. We don't really have people that have never let us down. Every single person in your life has let you down whether they wanted to or not, you've always been let down. I mean, that's our whole life. I've lived almost 33 years and I'm always being let down. I'm let down by my kids. I'm let down by my husband, by my parents, by my friends, by my church, by my pastor. People are always going to let me down. And so it's hard to be like, okay, God is never going to let me down. I can fully trust him to be enough for me. So don't let this thought Rob you and steal anything from you, your purpose, your calling, your passions, your mission, your purpose, all of these things is who you are called to be. Don't let this one thought of I'm not enough hold you back. Maybe it's your past where you keep thinking like, wow, I really messed up. I really have been a crappy person. Don't let that hold you back because God wants you focusing on the present right now. So if you're thinking about the past, that's the devil trying to get in your head and distract you from thinking about the present. And if you're thinking about the future too much, like obviously you need to have vision, you need to have clarity, you need to have your mindset on these this is where I want to be, this is who I want to become. You want to have that. But if you're focused on the future in like an, an anxious, fearful, worrisome way of what am I going to do? And what position am I going to take? And what direction am I going to go in? And how is this going to pan out? And you're worried and stressed and fearful of the future. That's the devil trying to distract you from the present moment and get you focused on the future. So think of where are my emotions at? Where are my feelings at today? And I'm talking today, like on these podcasts, we talk about a lot of the same things. You'll hear me say things like a lot of the same things. And as I'm writing my book, I write about a lot of the same things we talk about, but it's because we need to keep hearing it because every single state that you're in, you're going to hear what I say differently. So if this morning you wake up and you wake up and you're like, okay, it's a Wednesday. I'm going to get on here. I'm going to listen. I don't want you just getting on listening. I want you thinking, where is my emotion at today? Where am I at on this scale? And how do I feel? And I talk about Abraham Hicks and his emotional scale. And if you just Google emotional scale Abraham Hicks, um, I had it posted on my Instagram, but it was a while ago and you can go back and try to find it. But if you just search for that, you'll see Um, it's actually called the emotional guidance scale. Okay. By Abraham Hicks. And if you're on here live, um, I'm going to share my screen so that you can see this. And If you want to see this with me, you can actually watch this recording on YouTube if you're on the podcast so you can see what we talk about so you can see the video portion of it. Um, But I want to show you this because I look at this all the time. And so this is the emotional guidance scale, number one to 22. Number one is where you should aim to be all the time. Joy, appreciation, empowered, free, love. This is where God wants us to live. This is living in abundance. So you wake up and you think, okay, where are my emotions at today? You can be at a number one, which isn't the norm for the listeners on the call. This is where we strive to be on the highest peak of the mountain. But most of us find ourselves somewhere between eight, number eight and number 22. Anywhere from boredom to fear, grief, depression, despair, powerlessness. Now, the thing with emotions that we have to realize is that Your emotions come and go, and they're only temporary. There is no emotion that is constant all the time. So you may wake up and feel joy, appreciation, empowered, freedom, love, but at any minute you can be triggered and immediately go to overwhelm. You immediately go from one to 11, just like that in the snap of a finger, because you're hearing information, you're seeing things, you're being triggered. Um, Triggers are a huge thing. You know, you can be in your own little bubble and you feel great and you feel good. Someone comes to you, they have a problem, they have an issue, they confront you, you get in a fight, someone else is in a bad mood, so you don't have boundaries and their bad mood comes into you. And now all of a sudden you're feeling worried and you're feeling discouraged and you're feeling angry and you're feeling revengeful and hateful and jealous and insecure. And you're just like going down the list. So. I look at this list all the time and think where am I right now and I want you to look at this and I want if you're seeing this list and I want you to think where am I right now on my emotion list and it's best to do this when you first wake up and you're kind of alone still like when you wake up and you're with other people it's going to affect where your emotions are so when you get off of this call you're like, oh, okay. I'm feeling kind of like positive. I have good belief. I'm feeling enthusiastic because you took my energy. You took my emotion and you absorbed it onto you because that's how it goes. And especially if you're an empath, which I am, someone could walk in the room and they're in a bad mood and I'm in a good mood and their bad mood comes onto me. And I'm instantly in a bad mood. And this is what happened in my childhood. My mom struggled with her mental health. My mom struggled with depression and anxiety. And so I am an empath. And so she would always be, I never knew how we were going to be that day. And I say we, because I associated how she was with how I was. Oh, are you in a bad mood? Okay, me too. Okay, you're you're depressed? Yeah, me too. And it's how you create this codependency. And when you get to the, and I was talking to my mom this morning, she came over for coffee. And I'm like, it's so weird. You get to this point of life where you realize that your parents aren't these superheroes that are perfect and everything they do is just perfect and awesome and exactly what you should be doing. You come to a point where you realize, oh, wait a minute, the people who raised me were also broken by this world, doing the best they could with what they have. I mean, that's the reality of it. Everyone is doing the best they can with what they have. And some people's best isn't good at all, but that's the best they had with how they were raised and the best that their parents could raise them or whoever raised them. And that's how generational sin and generational curses start that your mom was depressed and you became depressed because you learned how to cope and deal with things like that. So you turned to depression and now you have kids and now your kids see you depressed and now they're learning to be depressed because you were depressed because your mom was depressed because her mom was depressed. Now you have four generations of depression and it takes a lot to break that cycle. And that's my hope for all of you is that we are breaking the cycles of generational curses by first figuring out where we stand and where we are and then being better for our kids. You might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old realizing this now, but I want you to know that it's never too late to become whole. It's never too late to become whole, ever. Even if you're 70 years old, you still will make a difference. You still will be able to change the trajectory of the people around you by you changing. You want your kids whole? You need to become whole. You want your marriage whole? You need to become whole. And that's where it all stems from. You need to work on yourself first and then everything else will fall into place. So if your emotions are changing at the drop of a hat or at the change of the wind, this list is gonna change very drastic. So if you look at your emotion list, After you've already interacted with someone, that is going to affect your emotions. So wake up and think, where am I at? Your goal is to wake up and be a number one. I am completely joyful. I feel empowered. I feel free. I feel loved. I feel appreciated. And I'm going to step into that. Because when you're living in that mindset, your perspective is different and things start coming to you. You perceive things differently. You're more open to accepting things. You have a different frame of mind. You're not insecure, so you're not skewing what people say. You're not taking things the wrong way. You're not holding grudges. You're not anger. You're, you have this, this good feeling about you and your emotions. So the point of this scale is if you wake up and you feel worried, you're a number 14. You're like, I feel worried. And these aren't like emotions where it's like, that's weird. Why do I feel worried? No, you might feel worried because you have a big decision to make. You need to decide, are we moving to Georgia or are we moving to California? I need to know in a month because I need to know what to tell my job. Or you need to decide, am I going to leave my abusive husband or am I going to stay? Or you might have to decide little things that are smaller than that, but they still worry you and stress you out. Like, what school are we going to go to? And should my kids have social media? I mean, there's so many things that we worry about. Right now, there's so much to worry about with COVID and this monkeypox and all this stuff that happens on the media and the news. That is enough to stress you out and worry you. And oh my gosh, should I leave my house? And there's going to be food shortages. And maybe I shouldn't have all my money in the bank. Maybe I should pull my money out and have cash at hand. I need to buy a safe. And what happens if they turn? Like your mind could go crazy. And so many people's minds do. And you wake up and you're worried, what am I gonna do? What is gonna happen? All you have to do is try to reach for the number below it and the scale. So if you're a 14, it's hard to think, okay, I'm gonna go from being a worry wart to, you know what, I'm just gonna be joyful. I mean, you can't really go for that. Or let's say you're going from anger, let's say your husband like really irritates you. He does the thing that you know that he knows bothers you the most and he did it. And you're so angry because you told them a million times, this is how I operate. This is how I feel. It's really hard to go from anger to passion. And you might know like, okay, I am seeing red. I am ticked off. I am so mad. And you might know like, okay, I need to be passionate and I need to be in love and I need to be nice and joyful. You know the direction you need to move in, but you can't move yourself there because it is impossible to change your emotion to do that drastic of a step. So when you're in this motion of worry, just try to go to doubt. Or if you're in anger, just try to go from being angry to being discouraged. Like, you know what? I'm a little discouraged right now. And then go from discouragement to blame. Shift it to blaming him. And I know it sounds crazy, but you will be able to go from blaming him to then talk about your emotions when it comes to being worried and why you're doubting and why you're disappointed and why you're just overwhelmed right now and why this is frustrating you and why you're feeling really negative about it and you're you're bored around it and you're content and you're going to watch things start to change. So save this list on your computer, Google emotional guidance scale by Abraham Hicks, save this on your computer, save it in an album on your phone so when you're in a bad place, you can look at this scale and you can say okay, I need to move my way down the scale because I'm not going to live in this stress, jealousy, hatred, revenge. I need to move my way to a lower number because that's how you're going to be able to do it. That's how you're going to be able to live abundantly. Like God wants you to live. Remember, he doesn't want you just to be good enough. I'm fine. Things are fine. Things are good enough. You know, I have a decent job and I'm married. My, you know, my husband doesn't beat me. So, you know how many people I talk to that are like, yeah, things are good. Like, are you just, are you just trying to survive your life right now? Or are you living your life right now? And you might be at a stage where you're in survival mode and you're like, no, I I need to survive this. I need to rebuild my life. I need to tear down and rebuild. And I've had to do that so many times. And there's no shame in that because you might be in a place where you are in survival mode But your your goal is to get out of survival mode and build a life for yourself and make the right choices. It might might mean changing jobs. It might mean changing where you live. It might be changing the state you live in. It might be completely changing careers and doing something totally different than what you were doing, leaving relationships, leaving friendships. And it's going to take change. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity by Albert Einstein. It's my favorite quote ever in the whole world. I used to do presentations for my own, my old job and every presentation, I would end and say that you are in control of your own life. If you keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect something to change, you're insane. If you have a bad marriage and you keep doing the same thing over and over, nothing is going to change. Nothing. So you can't just think, oh, well, this is my life. Poor me. No, it's not. You are in control of that, but you're in control of that. And if you sit back and you let your emotions take the best of you, well, then you're never going to get into that place you want to be. You need to be thriving in living a life. You get to choose your circumstances. And my, my best thing ever that happened to me was that I climbed out of a pit of hell that I used to live in. I am so thankful that I wasn't someone that was just born into a luxury life. We always had money and I always had the best of everything. I'm so glad that that wasn't me because that's not relatable. And I know how hard I fought to have the life I have. And I can tell you, I honestly feel like I live in a place of joy, appreciation, empowerment, love, freedom, 95% of the time. I live in that where I literally just cannot even believe the life that I created because I follow God, because I prayed and I let go of things that weren't serving me because I worked really hard to have a better life. I mean, I was a drug addict who was homeless. I mean, literally like that was my story. Like, I I changed that and it wasn't just, I changed that, but then I got pregnant at 18 with twins by a guy I didn't even know, but I had to climb my way out of the pit and realize, okay, this is my circumstances. This is what's happened. I had abandonment issues. I had rejection issues. I had abuse. I was raped. I had so many things that I've had to overcome. You can overcome them too. You can overcome them because you have Jesus with you because he has said, I want you to be abundant." I want you to live in abundance. That's his want and his desire for you. Like, think of that. The creator of the entire universe, the whole reason why we are even here today is because he wanted us to be here to love him. And he created you to have an abundant life, showering you with blessings, showering you with blessings. And so that kind of leads me to my next point. That's everybody thinks that they're waiting on God. Come on, God. We all have prayers that we've been praying that we're waiting for God to answer these prayers. When is it going to happen? When are things going to change? When are you going to deliver me from this? When are you going to heal this? When are you going to help this? We're all waiting on God. but. The point number two is you're not waiting on God. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you. God is waiting on you to change, to take the next step. It's like sitting at home, laying in bed, eating Doritos and Ore- Doritos and Oreos all day long, And then complaining and praying, God, why do I feel so sick and depressed? And why aren't you giving me a job? I want a job and I want to feel better. But you're laying in bed eating Doritos and Oreos and you're not going to look for a job. And then asking God, God, please, please give me a job. Please make me feel better. It it works two ways. I think of my journey with God, following him down this path as two feet. My right foot is when God tells me, okay, this is the next step, Taryn. Stop drinking. That's what he told me. He's told me for a really long time, stop drinking, stop drinking, stop drinking alcohol. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying this is your step, but I'm just giving you an example. He told me, stop drinking alcohol. And for so long, I didn't want to stop because it was fun. And I like having margaritas on Taco Tuesday. And I like having sangria with the girls. And I like having craft beers with my husband. And I like going and having a little bit of fun on the boat. And for so long, I held on to that. But I was praying like, God, why am I not further in my journey with you? Why do I feel like things are stalling? Why do I feel like you can't use me more? Use me. I want to move forward. Like, let's blow up this thing. Let's blow up this podcast. Let's blow up this coaching. Help me write my book. Help me. Come on, why isn't this working? And in the back of my mind, I just kept thinking, stop drinking, stop drinking, stop drinking. And until I finally took the step of obedience and said, okay, I'm done drinking. And I stopped drinking. That's when God was like, okay, I'm, you're ready for your next step. He's not going to give us 30 steps to accomplish and say, here's the list of everything that you need to do. He's only going to give us one thing at a time because he doesn't want to overwhelm us. So he's going to give us the next step to do the very next step. If you're struggling in your life right now, and you keep hearing in the back of your mind, like go to therapy, go to therapy. I should go to therapy. Oh, there we go again. I should go to therapy. Oh, that person just told me I should go to therapy. Yeah. That person just said they go to therapy. I should go to therapy. And this is like in the back of your head, constantly like, I should go to therapy. I should go to therapy. I should go to therapy, but you won't go and you won't make an appointment and you have excuses. Like I'm just too busy. I don't like to leave my house. That's the last excuse I heard from someone who I was talking about therapy. You know me, I just don't like to leave my house. I just like to like be in my house in my little bubble and be safe. And I don't like to make plans because that gives me anxiety. So I'm just going to stay home. But yet you want to keep praying that God changes you and God grows you, but you're not doing the thing that he wants you to do. God is waiting on us to change. God knows your heart. He knows what you want. He knows your passions. He knows your desires. He knows deep, 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 deep down who you want to be, what you want to accomplish. He knows it. And he thinks, okay, in order for her to be able to do this, here's our checklist. We're going to go through things one at a time and we're going to see how obedient she is. And I promise you every single time that God told me to do something, and usually they're things that we don't want to do, None of it is like, oh yeah, I'll do that. No problem. There are always things that we don't want to do. There are relationships we have to end. There are people we have to walk away from. There's boundaries we have to set. There's changes that need to be made. We don't want to do the things that we want to do. It's uncomfortable. It's going to push us to grow. It's going to cause conflict. It's going to be just uncomfortable. But every time that I have done it and I finally was kicking and screaming and was like, okay, fine, God, fine, I'll do it. Every single time, he instantly blessed me. Almost immediately, I felt the door lift and enter a new level. I felt the chain of whatever was holding me back release and move forward. Like when I had to quit my job. And now I've quit two jobs that God told me to quit. And I didn't want to quit either of them. And I finally quit. And it took me a year to listen to God a year of praying and begging, and please heal me, help me, all of these things. And God said, okay, quit your job. I'm like, no, (laughs) like do it in a different way, please. Because I need this job. I need this money. I need this approval. I need this success. I need all of these things. I don't want to let go of my job. Just heal my depression, heal my anxiety, make me feel better. And he was saying, okay, quit your job. And for an entire year, I didn't do it. And when I quit my job, it was almost immediately that my depression, my anxiety, all of these things left. And I didn't realize that it was related, but it was because it wasn't serving me just like alcohol wasn't serving me. It was creating a wedge in my life. It was creating a divide. It was a way that Satan was getting in between me and anything holy. And it was slowly pushing me away. That's how a wedge works. It gets in there with just a tiny little sliver, a tiny little sliver. And then as you move forward, it pushes you further and further and further away, like a triangle coming into your life, pushing you further away from God. And not a lot of people fall away really fast. It's a slow fade. There's a song by Casting Crowns called Slow Fade. And that's such a true song. It is a slow fade watch what you hear, watch what you see, because it slowly changes you very, 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 very slowly. You start allowing yourself to watch shows that you shouldn't watch. And then because you watch that show, you'll watch this show. And now you're watching that show and that show and that show. And then all of a sudden, what are you filling your mind with? What are you watching for six hours on a Sunday? What are you watching every night before you fall asleep? is it wholesome? Things are either bringing you closer to God or they're pulling you further away. There is no in between. You're either living a life for God or you're living your life for the world. And anyone who is a friend of the world is an enemy of God. If you're trying to justify and say, "Well, this is fine. This is how Everybody does it. It's okay. I can do this. Everybody drinks. Like, I mean, even the like, Catholic people drink. And there's even beer tents at churches and casino nights and like it's fine. Everyone drinks. Like I'll be fine. Like just because everyone does it doesn't mean that it's right. Doesn't mean that it's going to bring you closer to God. If you want to live in a joyful, abundant state all the time where you could cry at any moment because of how happy and fulfilled you are, then that's what you need to do. You need to be thinking, what in my life, God, are you telling me to get rid of? What are you telling me to move forward to? And, you know, we can pray, which is... Talking to God, it's us phoning God and saying, God, hello, I need help. Or you can meditate. And meditating is just being quiet and sitting somewhere with your I like to sit with my eyes closed so I'm not distracted. And you're quiet and you're listening to God. God is telephoning you, saying, Oh, hey, I'm glad you stopped doing what you were doing. I'm glad you turned the TV off. I'm glad you stopped talking. I'm glad you stopped listening to music. I'm glad you stopped being around your kids and all the noise. I'm glad you took a minute to sit on your front porch in silence because I have a message for you. And if I used to do that all the time, when I was in the deepest part of my life, I would take my journal, go sit outside. I would do it when my kids were napping, or I would tell my kids, do not bother me. I'm going outside to talk to God and to journal. And I would sit outside and I'd close my eyes. And I would just say, God, what do you want to tell me? And I would sit there. And sometimes I would sit for 10, 15 minutes with my eyes closed and anything that popped into my head where I didn't feel like it was my own thought, it's going to pop into your head in your own voice because it's in your head, but it won't be your own thought. Just like a random thought that comes to your mind where you're like, oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. Write it down and then close your eyes again. And then write down the next thing. I do that all the time in my business. God, what should I do next in my business? I feel stuck. I feel like I don't know where to go. And and I've been doing this for the last six months or so. And I'll close my eyes. And immediately I hear God say, write your book. And I'm like, come on, I want to do something different. Like I was hoping you were going to say something different. Like I want to do something more. Like how do I move my business along? How do I reach more people? I'm like, okay, God, what are you going to say? Write your book. I'm like, okay, you're right. I need to not start anything else. And I need to just write my book. You have free time. Great. Write your book. Write your book. And, and, it, he will answer you. He will show up. Um, in isaiah thirty eighteen, he says, "Therefore, the Lord waits to be gracious to you, and therefore He exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. And what I like about this scripture, is that it says the lord waits to be gracious to you. And I was praying for a while like Jesus can you please just come back? Like I'm just I'm just done with this life. I'm done with the evilness, I'm done with the heartbreak and the heartache and the suffering and the lost and I'm just I'm done with it all. I I watch I mean you watch the news for an hour and you'll be done. Like, I can't do this anymore. The fear, the scarcity, the stress. Like, can you please just come back and we can all just live happily ever after? And I would really want Jesus to come back. And then when I started reading scriptures and I realized why he's not coming back is because he's patiently waiting for us to turn from our sinful ways, all of us, to turn from following the world to follow him. Because he wants to save as many people as he possibly can. And so he's being so gracious to wait for us. He's waiting for us. We're waiting on him to return, but he's waiting on us to change. And we can't change in our own selves. This is like, when you get this, this is the best thing ever. When you, when this finally clicks, okay, you cannot change yourself. Like, you can make a whole list of things right now of the things that you wish were different about you. I wish I was better with my finances. I wish I was more respectful to my husband. I wish I was more patient with my kids. I wish that I was kinder to people and I wasn't critical or judgmental. And I wish that I, you know, all of these things, I could go on and on and on. All these things that I wish would change. I wish I had less pride and I didn't have to control everything. I wish I wasn't a perfectionist. I wish I didn't need the approval of other people. I wish I didn't have anxiety and depression and struggle with my mental health. I wish all of these things would change. I really truly do. We all can make a list of the things that we wanna change in us, but you cannot change it. Have you tried to change? Yes, I'm sure you have. You're like, okay, I need to change. I don't wanna be like this anymore. And for so long, I didn't want to be in a bad mood and I didn't want to be irritated with my kids or disrespectful to my husband. And I would tell myself, okay, today I'm going to be in a good mood. I'm going to be really nice to my kids. I'm going to answer, answer with a gentle tone. God, help me. When I started praying and asking God to help me, that's when I started to change. And there's scriptures that back it up. And there's this one scripture where he's like, I want to do the right thing, but I can't do the right thing. And I try to do the right thing, but I fall short and don't do the right thing. And so I want really, really want to do the right thing, but I I can't do the right thing. And, And he goes back and forth. Like, I want to, but I can't. And I want to, and I can't. And it's how we all are. Like, I want to be better with my finances, but I'm still so bad at my finances and I want to be better at eating. Like, we all know how to lose 10 pounds. Every single one of us could lose 10 pounds. If I said, I'm going to kill you in two months, if you don't lose 10 pounds, you would lose 10 pounds. Like, even if you had to starve yourself or whatever you had to do, you could lose 10 pounds, but, but we struggle with this. We're like, I want to lose weight. I want to be healthier. I want to be in this place, but we can't do it. It's not that you don't know how it's that you cannot do it on your own. And when you start praying, my advice to you is to make a list of all of your needs from God. Like, this is what I need to change, like a change list. Here's my top 10 things that I wish I could change about myself. And don't have them be things like I wish my nose was smaller. Okay. Like, I mean, God can perform miracles and he can change you, but have them be things that are like internal things about you that you want to change. Or if, or it could be like, you want to lose weight. You could totally put that one on there because that's something that you can change. Or that's something that God can change. So make this list of like your top 10 things that you wish you could change and start praying about them every single day. Put it on your bathroom mirror and pray, God, help me to change these things. If you have accepted God into your life, you are a new creation. The old you is dead and gone and the new creation is here. You have the Holy Spirit working inside of you to bring you an abundant life All you have to do is believe in it and ask and you shall receive, ask and you shall receive knock and the door will be opened. God says, I am going, I want to give you abundantly. So ask me and I'll give it to you. Show up and I'll do it. Pray and I'll do it for you. You watch, watch. And I want you to write down this list of these things that you want to change so that as you're praying and you can look in a week. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you can see how much God has changed you because my whole journal is filled with me praying that God would change my mood. He would make me respectful to my husband. He would take down my pride. And now I read those things and I'm like, that's so crazy because I'm not even like that anymore. I never even think about my moods anymore. I'm just in a good mood. I never have to tell myself to be respectful to my husband. I just am because God changed me. I didn't do that. God changed me because. I made it my number one priority and I was praying and begging and praying and begging that God would change me and he did. So while you're waiting patiently and you're trying to pray so that God will change you because remember, God's waiting on us. So we want him to change us and we're gonna listen and he's waiting for us to ask. So while we're doing that and we're waiting patiently, one thing I want you to be really intentional of focusing on is the fruit of the spirit. So this is something that the Bible says, you will have the fruits of the spirit if you are following Christ. So I don't need to look at your devotional life or see what you do at night or on the weekends or in the mornings. I don't really need to know anything. I just need to see how you act and I can tell how close you are to God because as you get closer to God and you eliminate the things of your life that aren't serving you and you're turning to him and you're moving forward in this direction of becoming the best version of yourself. Tapping into your purpose, tapping into your calling, being who God wants you to be, believing in that person, the fruit of the spirit. um, And you can look these up in Galatians 5, but they're love, joy. So love, joy. How are you feeling in your love and your joy? Are you loving people? Let's say you go through a drive-through and the person messes up on your food order. Are you loving (laughs) <laughs> or are you in a bad mood and you're mad at them because they messed up? Or let's say you're driving your car and you're stuck in traffic or you're stuck behind a slow person and you're running late. Are you loving to this person or are you irritated and you want to give them the finger as you drive by, blaring your horn? Okay, like really check yourself. Like, how are you loving people? And I'm not saying loving people who love you. I'm saying loving people who are unloving. Where's your love at in your life? Where is your joy? And joy is different than happiness. Happiness comes and goes, and it's dependent on circumstance. Joy is not dependent on circumstance. Joy is how you wake up and you feel deep in your soul, feeling joyful, where you all of a sudden feel like you could just cry because you have so much joy and so much fulfillment deep in your soul. Peace is another fruit of the spirit. Where is your peace? Are you stressing about the future? Are you stressing about the past? Are you worried about what's going to come and the food shortages and what's going to happen around Christmas time? Or do you have peace that God is working all things together for your good? Patience is the other one. Where's your patience? Are you patient? Or are you impatient? Kindness. Where are you at with being kind? You know, kind, we tell our kids that all the time, our young kids, like, make sure you're kind, always be kind. But are you being kind? Um, goodness is another fruit of the spirit, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. You can look at the fruits of the spirit and see how close you are to God and where you're getting to God. If you're really far away from all these things, then you know that you need to start spending more time with God, which if you look at episode 40 on the podcast, it's all about how to spend time with God and it'll tell you exactly what to do and the more time you spend with God the stronger you get to know his character and the closer you get to him and the more these fruits of the spirit will be here the last thing that i want to tell you number 3 is that you're no longer a slave you are no longer a slave to sin um galatians 5 also says for freedom christ has set us free stand firm and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Um, and then another one in Romans 6, six 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 says, "We know that our old self was crucified with him, in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin." Being a slave means you have a lot of pride. And so it's holding you back from doing the things that you know you're supposed to. Or you have this addiction and it's holding you back from the things that you know that you are capable of. So maybe your addiction is to alcohol or Netflix or shopping. It's causing you to not receive something because it's holding you back. So when I would think of myself as a slave to sin, I would think of, I'm a slave to sin because I can't control my, I can't control everything that's happening around me. Control was a huge thing for me. I needed to be in control at all times. If I wasn't in control, I didn't like how I felt. And that was keeping me from an intimate relationship with my husband. It was keeping me from relationships with my kids. Think of a chain around your ankle, a shackle around your ankle, keeping you bound to something. That's what I want you to picture when you think of being a slave to sin, where you can't control it. You can't get out of it. I can't stop doing the thing. I want to keep doing it. I want to keep drinking. I can't stop drinking. I want to keep spending money. I can't stop doing it. You can stop. You aren't a slave. You are free. You are a child of God. So, what you need to do is you need to turn to God and you need to tell Him, I am no longer a slave. This anxiety, this depression, it doesn't hold me down anymore. This feeling of inadequacy, this this feeling of being unworthy, being disappointed, being stressed, maybe you're shackled to fear, where everywhere you turn, you're just so riddled with fear, like fear of the unknown, and fear of what people will think, and fear of failure, and your fear is just holding you back from this greatness, where you want to move forward, you want to start a business, you want to write a book, you want to coach, you want to do the next step in your life, but you're like, what if it doesn't work out? What if I fail? What if all these people make fun of me? Gosh, I don't know what would happen. I, what, what could happen from this? Those, that's fear holding you back. You can only get so far before fear pulls you back. And if you're supposed to go to the end, you're never going to get there if fear is holding you back or shame. You get to a certain point and you feel so much shame for who you used to be or shame of what you've been through or shame what people have done to you. And you're like, no, that never that, that won't work because yeah, because of who I am. Yeah. Because of of my problems, other things that were holding me back. And I was a slave to was my abandonment. I, I was abandoned by my fathers when I was younger. So I constantly had this feeling of like, I needed people to approve of me. I needed to be desired So when that would stop, it would like freeze me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I need people to want me and to desire me. And these people don't like me and what's going to happen. And, and then I would just like stress and worry and fear of like all these things over here of what are these people saying about me? And is it true? And was I like this? And are they right? And, and meanwhile, I'm over here and my future is over here with God. And I'm just living in this little cave being shackled to the side of the wall. And God is like. The shackle is not actually locked. It's just set around your ankle. You can just grab it and open it up and walk out the door. You're not a slave to this. You have me. So I like to pray things. And I just did this yesterday. I was in my room. I went in my room. I closed the door. I got on my knees on my side of my bed. And I just started praying about the healing and and thanking God for what I want him to already do in my life. Like, thank you, God, for delivering me from my mental illness and it never coming back into my life. Thank you for freeing me from depression, from freeing me from anxiety. And I even started praying over him already doing it for my kids in the future. Thank you for not letting my kids suffer with mental illness. Thank you for not letting them struggle with addiction. Thank you for keeping them wholesome and protecting them from evil and keeping anything away from them that would keep them shackled from the life they're supposed to live for you. They're surrounded. There is a hedge of protection. I prayed for all of you guys on here too. Everyone who gets on live, everyone who listens to the recording who I've never even met and I don't even know who you are. But I prayed that you would have this hedge of protection, that you would get out of the valley, you would get out of depression, you would get out of this mental illness that you feel like you're stuck in, where you feel crazy and you feel down and you feel like there's never a place to go. You're not a slave anymore. You're not waiting on God. God already knows the plan. He's not in a hurry. And he's like, when you're ready, I'm ready. So I already told you what to do. You got to take the step. Even if it sucks, even if it's hard, rely on me and realize that you're enough through Christ. You're not enough through you. So don't let the devil tear you down. Don't let him get in your mind and tell you that you can't do it. The only thing that separates you from your destiny of where God wants you to be, remember he's focused on eternity. He created you to further his kingdom, to, to be an image of God. When you have the fruit of the spirit, you're an image of God. That's how God is. God is loving, he is peaceful, he is patient, he is gentle, he has self-control, he is good, he is faithful. He wants us to be more like him. The closer we get to him, the more time we spend, the more we turn into this image of Christ and the more that changes the world because that sets us apart. You go out into the world and people think, oh, wow, Becca's just different. Like we had this whole argument and she forgave me and moved on and that was crazy. Like people don't do that. Or I always have a problem and I can go to Melanie and I know that she'll fix it. And she's always so kind and has the best advice. She always prays over me. And I can tell her life is different. She's so happy. She's so joyful. She's so passionate. She's just a different type of person. People are drawn to people like that. They want to feel better. You guys get on here because you want to feel better. If I got on here and was like, oh, I don't know. And I, and I was all mad and irritated. Nobody would get on here. Like you're on here because you, you want that feeling. You want that spirit to come on to you. You want to be changed. You want to be different. So go and do that. Don't let the devil get in your mind. Go and do that so that you can be the difference to someone else. You can pour gasoline on their soul and blow up their fire inside of them where they can't contain their excitement and their passion for their life. That's what we're called to do. First, you need to light your own fire, pour gasoline on it and get yourself to a good place. And then it can be contagious to other people. So don't let the devil keep in your head. Stop thinking these things. Stop living your life these ways and realize that you're made for something so much better. Something abundant. That's what you're made for. You're made for abundant living. For heaven to come down to earth. And that's where you live. Nothing less. You're the daughter of the highest king in all the land. The daughter of the king. You're an heir to the throne. You're in his family. You are chosen. You are anointed. You are blessed. That's who you are. Don't let the devil get in your head and trick you because if he does, that's going to end the game for you. And we need to keep you in the game because we need more people in our army fighting against the evil side so that we win. But the good news, spoiler alert, if you don't know, we already won. So we already won, but we need all the help that we can get. So I love you guys. Thank you for being here. I hope you have an amazing week. I will um, be praying for you. If you need any extra prayer, please reach out. Please pop in the Telegram chat. Um, I love you. And I believe in you. And I know that you're created for greatness. So thanks. Love you. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening and spending your morning with me. I pray that God blesses your day and that he helps you to see the calling that is on your life. Lord, help us to be obedient to what you've called us to do. Help us to walk in our day side by side with you and link with your power instead of trying to do it on our own. We know we cannot do this on our own, although we try. Please continue to help us and continue to lead us and guide us. We love you so much in Jesus' holy name, amen. Have a blessed day. Thanks for being here.